let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg. He's Steve. We're recording to you on this uh, Saturday afternoon. This will be posted on Monday morning after the uh, the Jacob Truba signing, which we will get to later on in the show. Um, so how's it going, Steve? Uh, pretty good. Um, summer in Vienna is always amazing. So um, I've been walking around a lot. Um, and yeah, the off-season has truly started now. Uh, free agency is fun for the first three, four days, and then everything just dies down a bit. You have a trade here and there, like the Anisimov to Ottawa trade, or like the Rangers now signing Truba, but it's, yeah, the month of July is always is always a, a, a tough one for hockey fans. Yeah, it is. Um, but I know you have some uh, some stuff you wanted to kind of chime in on the, the summer showcase and a couple of kids we should watch out for and any stuff like that. So let's fill us in on that. Yeah, so uh, the, the thing is, the Rangers are in a rebuild, and for me as a prospect guy, that is amazing, because I watch the Summer Showcase every year. It's, um, it's sort of like a, uh, a, like a summer version of the World Junior Championships, where you have under 20 players uh, playing for their national team. Uh, this year, the tournament is in Plymouth, Michigan. Uh, but the Rangers never really have a lot of prospects in these tournaments. But this year it's different. Uh, we have uh, five prospects um, and maybe even a sixth one. Uh, if Levy Altonen is selected for the Finnish team, uh, the Finnish team has not yet been announced. They announced it on the 25th. Um, but we have, um, let's see, we have Keandre Miller and Zachary Jones on the US team. And then on the Swedish team, we have Olof Lindbom, the goalie, Niels Lundqvist, the defenseman, and, of course, uh, the second-round pick, Carl Hendrickson. Wow, okay, nice. So we got a couple of kids we can look out for. Yes, and, and Alton could be number six in the tournament for the Rangers if he gets a, if he gets a spot on the team. So the, the Summer Showcase is a fun thing to watch this year for Ranger fans. Nice. Is there, is there a way we can watch it as, as fans, or is this one of these things where... Um, we're just going to find out the results later on and see some highlights. I think I, it, if it's the same as last year, it should be uh, on NHL Network. Okay, great. That's, that's cool. That's something definitely to watch out for. Um, so any, any other uh, summer hockey things that we should be looking out for? Summer tournaments or, uh, you know. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's still off-season in Europe. The hockey season in Europe starts a little bit earlier than in North America, but still, it's July, so nothing's happening over here. Um, the first real interesting games will be uh, late August. Okay. So for 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 Ranger fans and for for people who follow prospects, there's not much uh, to follow aside from some international tournaments. You have the uh, Linka Gretzky tournament coming up as well, which is I think for under 18 players or under 19, and then the summer showcase. But other than that, it's just we just have to wait until uh, until the Traverse City tournament in September and the Champions Hockey League in here in Europe end of August. Um, okay, so, so we, we got we got we got some time then. We still have to survive a couple of weeks, and you know the the Truba signing um, yesterday. So we record on Saturday, of course. The Truba signing yesterday uh, was a nice break from 
from like a week or more than a week of silence. Yeah, um, that's a that's a very good point. So and the, the Truba signing. Um, so I, I thought he would come in at around you know seven and a half million ish. I, I knew he was going to get full seven years. I don't think anybody thought that he'd take less than seven years. Um, but this was a heck of a job by his agent. Um, did he get a little bit more than I wanted? Sure. Am I going to go absolutely nuts for $500,000 or even maybe even a million over? No. Uh, and I think we have to sometimes distinguish that when you're an organization and you pay a little bit more for the premium player, that's okay. And that is, you can, you can work through that. The problem is when, and this is, it's not just the Rangers, it's other organizations too. And we're going to talk about a trade about, we're going to talk about the, the Milan Lucic trade down uh, later at the end of the show. Um, but it's very similar is that when you start paying guys who play bottom six roles, when you overpay them by a couple of million dollars, that's when you really get in trouble because you don't have the cap flexibility to pay your star players. So I, um, am I upset that we gave Trub $8 million? No. Do I wish we gave him, you know, seven? Of course. Um, I'd rather be at seven, seven and a half than be at 8 million, but it's, you know, um, and, and like I said, going back to what Drew said, and I, I, I love reiterating this is you pay your premium players. You know, um, I thought Panarin was going to get 12 million. He came in at, you know, 11.6. I thought Truba was going to be 7.5. He came in at eight. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's basically like a hundred thousand dollars of a wash. It's pretty close. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain. They had $20 million. They're going to spend on two elite players. They knew that they knew they had to sign Truba somewhere between seven and $8 million. And they knew that Panarin was going to cost them between an 11 and 12. They knew that if they're going to get both guys and they did. So they had a, they had a budget of $20 million to spend on, premium free agents or one of their restricted in combination of that plus a restricted free agent who they traded for and they and that's how they spent their money the interesting thing now is going to be how do we alleviate um some of some of the caps we have um and we've got some players we can talk about uh, there's there's nemestikov there's strom there's Kreider. um there could be a rumbling maybe about like maybe brady shays possibly moved um are people bought out now do we buy out a uh, Brendan Smith. Do we buy out a Kevin Shattenkirk? Do we buy out a Mark Stahl? I don't know. These are all interesting questions. But for me, I like the signing. Um, Truba is is your number one defenseman right now. Um, he's going to be paired with Brady Shea unless Shea gets moved. And that's going to be your top pair. And you're paying $8 million for a guy who is going to be a, a good two-way player. And at the end of this contract, you're not going to be upset. Like, you're not going to be upset that you're paying Brady Shea, six million at the end of his contract. You're not going to upset that you're paying eight million dollars for Truba. Yeah, uh, that's 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 basically how I look at it as well. Um, I would much rather overpay a little bit than not have the player at all. Um, and in the case of Truba, I don't even see it as an overpayment. If you look at Oliver Ekman Larson, who is also a right-handed top pair defenseman in Arizona, um, he signed an eight-year extension for eight point two five million. And I know it's eight years, and I think he was unrestricted free agent, so the, the cap is a little bit higher. But if you can get Truba a year later with a higher salary cap for a lower uh, cap hit percentage, then that's 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 to me, it's just it's market value. And I think Ranger fans in the last couple of years have been spoiled with um, with good deals. There's yeah. a and, tr- and Troop is Troop is better in his own zone than than um, than Larson. Yeah, 
But uh, the Rangers have had some really, really nice contracts on their team, like Zibanejad for 5.3 million and the Panarin uh, signing for 11.6 when he was offered 12.5 for uh, by the Islanders. Yeah, at, at some point you have to understand that that a contract is is going to be given out that's just market value, that's just right there what the player is worth. And in, it's the same way with trades. We have been so spoiled with with amazing trades in the past, with the, uh, the Brassard for Zibanejad trade, with the Truba for Neil Pionk and a first overall trade, the, the deadline trades of Nash, Zuccarello, Hayes. We had so many good trades. If at some point we have a trade where it might look like we, we it's it's not a flat out win for us, that's okay because you cannot win them all. I completely I, agree with that. I think that's spot on. You're not going to win every trade, and not everyone's going to have you know, uh, never, not everyone's going to give you the Kevin Shattenkirk or the Artem or the Artemi Panarin. Not everyone's going to give you that hometown discount. Sometimes you're going to have to pay the 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 market the you know fair market value for the player, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. I mean, you know, in, in several years, the cap's going to go up or we're going to be in, in a lockout. So um, either or, we're fine. Uh, I'm not, I'm really actually not that concerned. Um, what I think is interesting, though, is how we start to work this team for the next year or two. Because the thing is, is that we've got $20 million coming off the books um, by 2020, and I think we're going to have 40 million the year after in terms of cap space. So we've got plenty of money to hand out. So I'm not concerned at all. The thing is, what are we doing from now until then? So it this becomes a question of what do we do with Chris Kreider? What do we, we do with Nemesnikov? What do we do with Strom? What do we do with um, any of our defensemen who aren't aren't in the plans long term, mm. or even some of the players we have on this team that that are not going to be here long term? So. I think that's the more interesting question. I I think, um, well, obviously now we're over the cap. Like we have to move players. Now it becomes a, a must. So it becomes what happens. Do you foresee any buyouts now, or do you think we're going to go that route? Um, well, the Brandon Smith buyout is one that has been discussed by everyone. Um, I I think that's the most likely scenario if we are going to do if we're going to uh, uh, buy out a player. The second buyout window will start uh, after the Butchnevich case has been decided. Because Butchnevich still has an arbitration case scheduled. Um, and the second buyout window opens the third day after the case is concluded and lasts for 48 hours. And the case being concluded can be either the arbitrator ruling on the contract or Butchnevich and the Rangers agreeing to a contract before the ruling. Um, and yeah, that second buyout window, you can buy out, uh, I think, three players in total during the length of the CBA. Um, <clears throat> the Rangers have never used a buyout in the second buyout window, so technically they could buy out three players. I don't, just don't see that happening. But yeah, Brendan Smith is the most likely, uh, in my opinion, because his buyout is very favorable. Uh, there's not a lot of signing bonuses, so you you like with Shattenkirk, you buy him out this summer, you have cap relief for this year, but next year it's still six million on the books. Uh, yeah, that that, that that makes it a lot tougher. Yeah, but uh, looking at our situation right now, uh, we have nine hundred thousand in cap space, nine hundred thousand dollars, with thirteen forwards and seven defensemen. So the Rangers could technically start the season now uh, and just not sign. 
uh, not sign Butchnevich, trade Butchnevich away after the arbitration case, or uh, and then sign Lemieux and D'Angelo for one million dollar deals, and then just demote a a player that who spot they're taking. So you could demote Hayek or Fox for D'Angelo to be replaced. Uh, and then McKeg or Nieves goes down and he's replaced by Lemieux. Then you would have 30 forwards, seven defensemen, two goalies, and you would have $900,000 in cap space. That's, yeah, that's no. without a buyout. So, yeah, I, I still think there's going to be a buyout because they want to keep Butchnevich. I think so, too. I don't, I don't see them trading Butch unless... I shouldn't say that. I think they only do it if they feel like they're going to get a good return. I think they'd rather just give him... Um, you know, a bridge for two years and just deal with it, and then let him yeah. hit on for sure. You know, let him basically play his worth and, and pay him what he's worth. Mm-hmm. I think that's a scary thing, but it seems like Booch's camp wants that. And I understand why. So play it, play it out like that. Um, Booch's camp is playing it like we want to be a premium player, and we're gonna work our way to be valued as such. And it's like, well, cool, and take the bridge deal and bet on yourself. It's fine. Um, but as far as everyone else is concerned. I think that the the players that I think are um, in terms of the buyouts, anyways, I agree. Brendan Smith is definitely the one that is most likely. Um, I don't see a scenario in which Mark Stahl gets bought out. No, um, I just think he's too much of that de, you know de facto captain kind of thing. But um, I, I don't think it's a bad idea either. I just want to reiterate, I don't think it's a bad idea to buy out Mark Stahl. Look, I, I, think, I think Mark Stahl has uh, more value within the organization than fans realize. He is, he is seen as a leader on the team, even though he's not a, a great player on the ice anymore, as he was years ago. I, I feel the organization still sees him as a leader, and they don't want to buy him out. Um, and, and the Rangers could technically, you know go into the season without even using a single buyout. If they trade Nemesnikov or Strom, they're fine. Then, and then they're fine. Um, yeah. So you have to, you have to, you know, weigh your options. If you buy out Brendan Smith, then he's on the books for four years. If you don't buy him out, he comes off the books in 2021 together with Shattenkirk, Stahl and Lundqvist. That's, right. that's over 20 million in cow space you generate in one off season. Right. I think, I mean, if I'm the Rangers, I think, I think my game plan now is to, is to try to see what the value is out there or the return value is out, out there for Nemesnikov and Strom and yeah. Kreider. I think I, I think I dangle those three chips out there and see what bites I get. Um, if I had a pecking order of who I'd like to move first, second, third, it's probably going to be, unfortunately, it would probably be, I'd probably cry to one because I think he'd get me the most return. Although um, I have to be fair, I mean, I, I've I go back and forth on Chris Carter, man. There's a day, there are days I sit there and go, man, I want to give him like a, a five, six year deal because mm-hmm. I really like the guy and I like what he brings to the table. And I've always been a big Chris Carter guy. So, but then I think, yeah, I don't know, is is year five or six going to be ugly of that contract? And I'm going to really hate it. Is it going to be Lucci's 2.0? I mean, I hope not. But I mean, they do. I don't know. I just I, I do worry about what that contract looks down the road. Um, look, other it, other players I don't. History suggests that Chris Kreider's contract is going to look ugly after age thirty three. There's just no way. There's no way about it. The, the the type of player he is, you know, they just don't age well. We've seen this over and over again in the league. I know. 
I know, uh, and that's and that's the scary part because I don't I don't think he would take a a, a four year deal or a three year deal. I don't think he would. No, and he should he shouldn't because right. he's he's twenty eight. He's turning twenty nine before the start of next season. Uh, this is going to be his big payday. He sh- he should go for a six seven year deal, and he, if he if he can get it somewhere else. It's the same with Zuccarello. I said this about Zuccarello. When he signed with Minnesota for $6 million a year, I literally said, good for him. Glad it's not with us. Yeah, I, and I, I'd feel the same way for Chris Carter. If he signed somewhere and someone gave him six years at $7.5 million, like Good for him. Glad for it's him. not with us. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'm happy about that. I'm yeah. happy it's not mine. Um, you know, look, if, if for whatever crazy reason Chris Carter would take some kind of like five by six deal, I would take, I would sign it, but I don't think he's going to, I think, I think he wants seven years at seven and a half, seven to seven and a half. I, and that's a lot, dude. It's about financial security for these guys. Look at Milan Lucic. He, he signed a long-term deal for 6 million a year and, right. and with good reason, because he, he, he has guaranteed money coming in the, the next couple of years and he'll probably retire or maybe sign one or two short-term deals for a low cap hit. But it was his big payday, and Kreider is going to have that big payday, just like Zuccarello had it now. Um, and and the Rangers are just not in a position where where they where they where, where they can get the most out of Chris Kreider. Let's put it that way. If 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 this was a team like Vegas, or Washington, or 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 Winnipeg, yeah, any team that 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 is that that has been a, a playoff team the last two three years. Great, he would fit perfectly because for the next two, three years, he's going to be a contributor on on whatever team he's on. But the Rangers are just not in a position, even with Truban Panarin, I just still don't believe the Rangers are in a position where they are going to, first of all, make the playoffs, and then second of all, make noise in the playoffs. I just don't see it happening. Because, yes, we we added Panarin and Truba, but we also lost Kevin Hayes and Matt Zuccarello for the whole season. People yeah. often tend to forget to calculate to to add that to their calculations. The players you traded away at the deadline, you, you still lost them. Yeah, you, know, you ended the season without them, but you had them for most of the season. And Zuccarello is still a 55, 60 point player. Kevin Hayes is a center that got seven million in the on the open market. That's that's a second line center that that honestly we do not have. Who's going to be the second line center behind Zibanejad? Strom? No, it's probably going to be Hedl, I think. Namesnikov? Is it going to be Hedl? Is is Quinn going to go crazy and put Krafts over Kako in the middle? Is it going to be Howden? Is it going to be Elias Anderson? Who knows? Anything can happen this season. The second line center position is up for grabs, and we have like six, seven, maybe eight players who could could make a case for, who I could make a case for grabbing that spot. All right. And, that, and, that, and, that leads and, and hold on, hold on, hold on. And and any of those eight players are just, in my opinion, not good enough to be a second line center on a contending team. Yeah, I would probably agree with you on that. I think that's true. I don't think the Rangers are a contender. I don't. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to be entertaining. I think they're going to be in yeah. until the end. I don't think they make the playoffs though. I think they could if everything, if everything, if if everybody, if. If, if all the rookies play out of their mind and everyone else plays well, yes, they're, they're a playoff team. But that's a lot. You have A lot of things have to go right. Not everything usually goes right in a season. So I think there's still another year or two from, from yeah. being back in the playoffs. Having said that, like I said, Chris Kreider is their most you know, uh, attractive piece to dangle. 
I think he'd get the best return. I, 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 I guessed he would get the best return. So mm-hmm. now it comes down to do they want to keep him long term. And that, there's, I guarantee there's conversations going on right now about Kreider that they're talking that they're talking and saying, do we want to keep him or do we want to deal him? What does he want? What do we where is he at with him and his agent? And where are we at? Are we too far apart that that's never going to happen or are we close enough that we move a player, we can make it, we can extend him. And that's what it's going to come down to. And if they want to at their price, they might not, you know, for all we know, the Rangers might be looking at it no matter what he wants. They might be wanting to move on, not because they don't like him, but just because there's, you know, there's too many young forwards coming up. They need to give these kids shots. The time might be, yeah, the timing is just not right with Kreider and and it it sucks. I mean, yeah, yeah. and and I think, I think we discussed this last week. If the Rangers had opted for a long-term deal instead of a bridge deal with Chris Kreider, and he would be signed at this moment for another three years at $5.5 million. No doubt in my mind they, they hang on to him. Absolutely. Or if they dangle him, they're getting a lot back because he's, he's signed with term. Probably, yeah. And, and it's, it's another example where a bridge deal is, is, is screwing us over. Matter of fact, I would even argue that at the, um, at the draft, if he was signed, let's say, for another three years at his current rate or even a slight a tick up from that, I guarantee you they would have easily gotten um, that 16th pick from uh, from Colorado. Oh, maybe, maybe even a higher pick. Maybe the ninth overall pick from Anaheim. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, totally. Because so, the, re- the reason Arizona gave up a seventh overall pick for um, uh, for Derek Stepan with some other pieces going back and forth was that he was signed for another four years, so they had some, they had a guarantee that he was going to be on the team. And Kreider is signed for one more year. It, it's it's a bit of a risk for a team like Colorado. Is no, Kreider going he to can walk, stay? He can walk right away from that. Yeah, is Kreider going to stay, or do you, do you trade for him and have him only for one year? It's 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 risky. It's very risky. It is extremely risky. And and then so, and, then, and then of course you have Nemesnikov who signed for four million. If the Rangers are only want to trade him for cap relief, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them retain one million just to make it more a, a more attractive offer for other teams. Because Nemesnikov at three million is probably it's, it's easier to trade him at three million than at four. And if you only do it for cap space, getting three million in cap space or four million in cap space with Butchnevich, Lemieux, and D'Angelo to sign. It's not that big of a difference because I, I don't see Lemieux getting more than a million. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same camp there. And, and I think, uh, you know, look, would I retain, retain some money on Nemestikov to make it more attractive? Yeah, I still think at $4 million he's tradable. But look, I mean, are you going to get, if you can retain like, you know, one, one and a half million on him, are you going to get more? Of course you are. Uh, of course, there's, there's no, no doubt about that. And um, it's, one year. It's, it's only one year, so... Yeah, uh, the guy that I'm actually most interested to see what happens with is, is Ryan Strome. Um, he can go anywhere from playing second-line center on this team to being bought out to being traded. I mean, I can see any of those three scenarios. Seriously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, he, he can be all over the lineup, which is also part of, part of what makes him attractive to other teams, I guess. He's versatile. Yeah, and so is Nemesnikov, which is why I think those two are probably – I don't think you get the most return. I think Kreider gets you, like, the best return, but I think the most likely to be moved in terms of versatility, affordability, et cetera, is probably somebody like a Ryan Strom 
or a Numasnikov or even both, because both of those players are basically just there for the year. So you don't have to give up very much. And it could be, hey, let's take this guy on, throw him in our lineup and add some depth here and make a run this year. And what are we going to give up? A third round pick, whatever, a fourth round pick, who cares? Yeah, exactly. And for the Rangers, it's the cap relief that, that they need. It, it, it could work for both for both sides in a trade like that. So exactly. So I, I that's my guess. I think what happens is I think the right I think the Rangers are going to try to dangle Kreider, see what's out there. If yeah. they feel like the returns are weak, they're going to pivot to a Nemesnikov Strom kind of thing and try to see if they can get those guys off the books. And mm-hmm. just, they don't even care about what the return is, to be honest with you. They can get a third round pick, a fourth round, they don't care. It's more about just take our, our $4 million from from Nemesnikov, take our $3 million, is it $3 million from from Strom? I think it's like $3 million. 3.1. Okay, so $3 million. So take that $7 million off the books. Maybe we eat two of it, one each or something. I don't know, maybe two million of it. So take $5 million off the books, we eat two. And we'll get some fourth round or third round picks out of it. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes sense. You save some money, you get an asset, and another team just gets a, another player to make a run with. Works. And then what would we'll, we'll probably happen at that point is they go into the, the, um, the season with Kreider on the roster. And then it becomes kind of like a Kevin Hayes situation again, where it's like they just dangle him consistently and trade him at the deadline. I just don't think that's a the best idea but i think that that's probably what's going to happen yeah at at the deadline gms are always a bit more desperate yeah i i i I go back and forth on that i don't know if sometimes players are have a higher price tag at the deadline because everyone think you know the teams that are in it are desperate or do you get more in the beginning of the season when everyone thinks thinks they're gonna make a run and, and be bad be you know everyone thinks oh this is our year yeah, but here's the thing. A player that has a one-year con- contract left, like Kreider in this case, in the offseason, not every team, not especially contenders, they're always up against the cap. 4.6, is it 4.6 million that he's making? Yes. It's, it's, it's a lot of money to take on for a contender when they're already up against the cap. Now, fast forward to February. You're at the deadline, and Chris Kreider has a prorated cap hit, which is much easier to fit under the cap for those teams. Because Yeah, at two and change it's much easier. Well it's 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 even less than that because the season has 180 days and after the deadline I think there's only 45 days left. Oh so it's even oh, so what, even even more aggressive than that. Yeah so what you basically do is you divide the 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 the, the full season cap hit by the number of d- days of the full NHL season times the number of days that are left and that's the cap hit that you have to that, that you that you should be able to afford to add the player to your team. That makes them way more affordable. It makes them way more affordable, especially for the top teams. The teams like Pittsburgh and, and Chicago and, and all the big teams, they're always up against the cap. At the deadline, they can easily afford a guy like Kreider. Yeah. Well, there's also some inherent risk there. I mean, what if Kreider gets hurt before, the, before, before that happens? Yeah, of course. But, you know, that, that risk also applies to the team if they acquire him this offseason. No, I, I agree. I just... You know, I, 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 I try to mitigate risk when I can. And yeah, I just, I, I, just, I just don't think GMs take that into consideration because that yeah. is something that you cannot control. I mean, yeah, he could he could he could go on a vacation next week and uh, be and, and, you know, break break his 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 kneecap while, while he's skiing or something. Yeah, and, I, and I agree with you. Anything. Um, 
But yeah, I, I guess we'll see what happens with Kreider. I just I, I don't see Kreider being on the Rangers after 2020. Oh, I, I, I tend to agree with that too. I just don't know if he's going to be moved this summer or it's going to be during, during like by the trade deadline. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it depends on what happens with uh, Nemesnikov, Strom, or any of the potential buyouts with the defenseman. If, I think if the Rangers become more, more cap crunchy, meaning like they, no one wants to really bite on Nemesnikov, no one wants to take Strom, and they're not, they're not in that ideal scenario. They don't want to buy out Smith. They'd rather just eat the money and let it just ride off. Then I think trading Kreider with some money retained might even be an option too. Or they can go the opposite way. They might trade Booch and be like, you know what? If you, you're, you're taking us down this road, we're going to trade you, man. Yeah. It's not impossible. uh but they cannot trade him before they either sign him to a contract or the arbitrator makes a ruling. No, no. What I'm saying is, is signing him to a bridge deal and then flipping him. Okay. Okay. During the season. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Yeah. I mean like that, that's a possibility too, is that we can just, you know, say, okay, cool. We're, you know, we're, we're going to trade him and then we'll be done with it because we'll trade him during the season. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, look at this stage, I could see anything happening. Um, it's such a wild ride for Ranger fans at the moment. This 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 is going to be the the first season where we uh, where we might see the fruits of our labor, so to speak, where we see the result of the rebuild. And there was there was this tweet by I think Yahoo Sports, which it, every time I see a tweet from Yahoo, I'm reminded that Yahoo still exists because I I've totally forgotten about that whole company. Um, they said that the Rangers should do a TED talk on how to rebuild within within two years. I saw that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I, I I use Yahoo a lot, mostly for fantasy sports. But yeah, I, I get it. I mean, it's not you know who really. Other I, than that, I don't use Yahoo. I I remember this movie that I watched from like the late '90s. It's a movie called Frequency, uh, with uh, Dennis Quaid, um, where he's a firefighter who died in like the. In I think it's 1969, the year the Mets won the World Series, because that's that's important to the plot of the movie. Yeah, so that's that's 69. Yes, and his son in 1999 finds his old transponder radio, and he hooks it up, and because of the magnetic field with the aurora borealis, he's actually talking to his dad 30 years ago before his dad dies. That's wild. It's 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 such a weird movie. But in that movie, um, they um, he also talks to his childhood friend, who's who's like six or seven years old in 1969, and he tells him over the radio, "Just remember one word, Yahoo." And 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 that's 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 something that I always remember of this movie because everything that that they talk about over the radio, it changes the. Uh, uh, it changes what happens in 1969. So he helps prevent his father's death, and then everything changes in his life. He gets all these new memories, and, oh, and wow. when he tells his friend Gordo, "Remember one word, Yahoo." After he does that, he meets his friend Gordo. And all of a sudden, he's rich. He has a Mercedes with like a license plate that says Yahoo because he invested in Yahoo stocks in the early 90s. That's funny. So yeah, it's uh, every time I hear Yahoo, I have to think of that movie. It was one of my favorite movies when I was growing up. I hope he. I hope he got out before before the tech crash, though. Uh, let's let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. But th that movie is the only reason I know the Mets won the World Series in 1969 because yeah. it's 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 important to the to the storyline of the movie. But if you if you ever run into it, just watch it. It's a it's a it's a fun movie to watch. All right, we'll do. Um, so let, let's just touch on uh, Lucic real quick. Um, so fill, fill us in on the the Lucic trades. It looks like. Oh. He was traded to the the Flames, and he was traded. I think it was one for one for Neil, right? Yeah. When when I saw that Lucic was traded, I thought someone was was pulling a prank or something, because outside of Brent Seabrook, Milan Lucic to me was the the least tradable contract in the league. Um, but they managed to offload him for some reason. They traded Milan Lucic to Calgary in exchange for James Neal. Uh, Edmonton retains seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Both contracts ah. for four more years, so they basically get James Neal for six and a half million, and Calgary gets Lucic for five point two five million. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm sh I'm shocked he got traded. I didn't think any I didn't think anybody would take that con. That is a terrible contract. It, it gets better though. There is a conditional pick involved, and this is it, it, it just when you know it's gone too far and we need a lockout, because it feels like GMs are now making up stuff as they go along when it comes to these conditions. The Calgary Flames get a third-round pick if James Neal scores 21 goals or more, and at the same time, 10 more goals than Milan Lucic in a season. What? The, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. They've gone too far with this shit. This, it's, is, this is too crazy. You know, I, 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 just, I, I miss the days where a condition was, if he resigns, you get a second-round pick. Yeah. yeah. That was clear. Everyone yeah, knew normal. what was happening. But it's, 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 it's almost like, like the, the, bon the performance bonus is on an entry-level contract. Like I remember, I think it was Dreisaitl who missed out on a performance bonus because Jack Eichel scored a goal. And then Dreisaitl was no longer top 10 among rookies in point-per-game average or something. That's and ridiculous. It's, it, all these rules, it, and, and now with these conditions getting way out of hand, it's time yeah, for... Yeah, th this, uh, one, this one is really crazy. It's like, it's well, listen, if you, if you score a goal on every first Monday of the month and, you know, when the lunar eclipse, like, get at, why is there, like, 6,000 conditions for, for a pick? Mm -hmm. Like... It's insane. Look, I'm I'm just surprised we haven't seen a condition yet where the player is not allowed to play against his old team uh, during the remainder of his contract. <laughs> that would be crazy. Wait, where you go? Okay, you know what? We will trade you Evgeny Malkin, but he's not allowed to play against us. And then he has like five years left on his deal or something. That's that's, that's <laughs> the next logical step. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, but you, yeah, you, if he if if he, if if he scores more than 10, 10 points is ten points is in the in a season against us, we get a, an additional second. It's like what is, why? Yeah, it's it's it, it makes no sense. But yeah, Lucic yeah, is great. I think I think that's that's the biggest surprise of, of it all. And and I'm 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 surprised not just about the fact that it's Lucic, but about the fact that Edmonton and Calgary are making trades. I mean, they they are they're they're their biggest rivals. They're, they're yeah. both from Alberta, and you had this weird situation where Mike Smith went as a free agent from Calgary to Edmonton now, and then Cam Talbot through like a couple of months in Philly, but still he went from Edmonton to Calgary. It's so weird. It 
years ago they had this with uh, who was it? Jared Stahl and Matthew Lombardi. They mm-hmm. were one of them was drafted by Edmonton, the other one was drafted by Calgary. Neither of them signed, so they re-entered the draft, and then they were both drafted by the other team. That's crazy. They could have just traded them and had them sign an entry-level contract. Yeah, that's true. Save yourself the picks. It's it's still not as stupid as the Anaheim Ducks drafting the same player twice. <laughs> yeah, that is insane. I think Carolina did it as well once. They drafted a player, refused to sign him after two years, re-entered the draft, and then they picked him again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, these conditions are absolutely getting out of control. Um, but yeah, so it, look, it's, it's, it's July, guys. It's this, you know, the dog days of summer. It's hot. Enjoy the weather. Let's just, you know, wait until the rest of this, you know, unfolds here. Yeah. Did you see Truba's uh, Instagram, by the way? Oh, the, is it the one where the, the guy's holding up a sign and says, I make more money than Truba or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Years ago, when, pretty Truba, funny. when Truba was holding out, he, the, this Winnipeg Jets fan had a sign that said, I made more money than Truba today. Yeah, I thought that was funny. And then he posted that photo, he, which he, was he hilarious. He posted it after signing his contract on <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> well well played. That was yeah. funny. That was good. I, I, um, love, I love it when players get involved with social media. Logan Couture had something today as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. There, there was, a, pic, there was a, a gif or something of him like getting absolutely just like – he got danced on, and then like yeah, I think because, that like he was like, "Hey, take this down." <laughs> because it's the 40th birthday of Pavel Datsuk, so the Detroit Red Wings posted a uh, a video of him dangling and Couture losing his footing and falling flat on his ass. Oh and- yeah, he got absolutely. He just <laughs> he got danced on and oh, he looked he looked terrible. It was like, oh whoa whoa, I can't keep and, that, and then, that. That's a little too much footwork for me. And then like an hour after that went up, Logan Couture commented saying, please take this down. Yeah, like, hey, 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 hey. I love it when players get involved in social media stuff. It, it, yeah, me too. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we go, I think we had some questions this week, right? Yes. Yeah, we have three questions. Um, okay. Let's, let's hear them out and let's wrap this up. I'll start with uh, Kenneth Litwin. Um, now that we have uh, Truba, Fox, and D'Angelo, Who's going to be on the power play out of those three? Uh, they're all similar, and is that a good thing? Um, is, is this something uh, you need in the new NHL, or do we still need a Bukaboom type player on our on our defensive group? Um, so that's a good question. So let's. I mean, it's there's kind of there's kind of two questions there, so we should probably separate them out. So the Fox Truba and um, the Angelo. Uh, D'Angelo uh, question is probably the, the first one we should attack. Um, who's going to play the power play? Um, you would think that it's probably going to be Shattenkirk. I would think Shattenkirk is still power play one. Would you agree with that, or, you, or do you think he's lost that? Um, it's, it's one of the reasons we signed him, right? Yeah, exactly. So I don't see a scenario where we change it. On, on PP1, I still think he's PP1. He's PP1. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Shattenkirk is on the power play. I just I don't think they will use Truba on the power play because it's not a strength. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Now I don't know where I don't know how Fox is gonna. Um, if if well, we also have to realize Fox might not play. That's he what I wanted to play say. Hartford. That's what I wanted to say. Let's 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 push the brakes on on Adam Fox for for a minute and assume that he's going to start in Hartford, play there for six months. Just like McDonough did, and just like many other players coming through college did, 
they have to adjust to to playing professional hockey because it's completely different from college hockey. Uh, if he needs four or five months to adjust, that's fine. We didn't sign him for this season. We signed him for the next eight, nine years for him to be on this team. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So I, I don't, to me, Fox is not, I don't think, if Fox is our number one power played uh, quarterback right now, I, I think that a lot of things have turned differently. Because I think even Truba would take time before we would give it to Fox right now. Um, now, does that mean that Fox can't play power play too? I don't know if he's on the team. Um, could that be Truba? I don't know. Um, but I definitely do think that Shattenkirk is going to be power play one. I think the only one who can challenge him for that really is D'Angelo. I think D'Angelo is the challenge. Is it Can D'Angelo take that job away from Shattenkirk now? Mm-hmm. I think he probably sh- he probably could and he might, but one of those guys is going to be because uh, I don't I don't unless you think that they're going to play. Do you think they'll play Shattenkirk on his off on his on his on his offside? You know, yeah. I mean, like, could they go could they go with Shattenkirk and D'Angelo on power play one and play D'Angelo on the right and put Shattenkirk on his left? Look, if you're going to play someone on his offside, you might as well do it with an experienced guy and, and not with a guy who's just entering the league. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's a good question. Um, my gut says Shattenkirk plays power play one. Um, and if they do decide to put Tony D'Angelo up there, you'd put Shattenkirk on the off, uh, on, on, on his offside, put him on the left. Um, but it's probably going to be Shattenkirk for power play one, D'Angelo for power play two. That would be my guess. And you, you, um, you, you think it's going to be uh, f- uh, four forwards, one defenseman? That's another good question. Um, I, I, I don't think so. I think I'd, I think I'd try to go three two, but um, it, it, I think it depends. That's actually a really good question. Um, I would like to see what it would look like using Shattenkirk and D'Angelo both on the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just, I'm just interested to see what that looks like. And then have three forwards. I, I'm just interested what that looks like. If I feel like that's not going to work, then I have no problem just, you know, going with Shattenkirk and four four forwards. Or mm. even if D'Angelo takes that time, it's fine. Put D'Angelo up there. He's a, I mean, guy's great at moving the puck and then give him four four forwards to work with. Yeah. Okay. And, and what about the, the second half of his question? Um, uh, so the second part of his question was about, it said something about Booga Boom and like old old school defensemen, I think that's. Yeah. Yeah. They're all similar. And is that a good thing in the, in the new, in, in today's NHL or do we still need like this, this Booga Boom type defenseman? Is, is, is it going to hurt us that we have three guys on the right side who are basically the same type of player? No, no. Um, so I, I, I know this might be controversial if some people hear this, but um, the game has changed, guys. Um, so if, if and this is not just hockey, this is this is a lot of sports. Um, baseball is evolving. Football. Basketball is totally evolved. Yeah, so is football. I mean, you go look at, you know, the, the way the game is run now in football. I mean, it, they pass the ball way more than they run the ball. Um, it's become a much more, you know, a much more throwing type game. Um, baseball has changed a lot. I mean, you just go look at the pitchers in the eighties and nineties. Um, you know, when Randy Johnson first came up, I mean, he was throwing like 96, 97, 98, and he was like dominant. I mean, you guys, you you got guys now normally throwing in the high nineties. It's become like regular. So, you know, and, and little things like that. You know, the game has just changed. I mean, launch angles and everything else has changed baseball. So 
hockey's changed a bunch too. It's become, you know, anytime that you, you, you've got lots of skill trying to get its way in, it just pushes out the guys on the periphery. It pushes out the guys who might, might not be the most gifted, but maybe they've got that intangible, like, work ethic or they're just a goon or they, they bully themselves around. So I just don't, I think the game is just trending more skill set oriented and it's going to weed out a, a, a little, some, some other type of defenseman. Uh, that's, that's, that's how I feel. Having said that though, I, I do think that you need to be like, I, like, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of like, Oh, this guy is an offensive defenseman. This guy's a defensive defenseman. No defensemen are defensemen. The thing is, is some people are good in their own zone. And some people are bad in their own zone. And some people are, are, are good in both areas. Um, ideally, you'd like to have six defensemen that are good in both zones. That's the perfect world. You'd love to have, a, you'd love to have six defensemen where they're all equally good in their, in their own zone and they're all equally good offensively. You'd love to have that. Now, is that likely to happen? No, it's not. So, you know, it, I don't think it's a bad thing when we've got three guys on, you know, on the right side or on the left side who are good offensively with the puck. Um, and the other point to that too is, you know, I think sometimes we forget that, you know, similarly like in football, when you play, you know, uh, ball control, I mean, in hockey, it's very similar too. I mean, you control the puck, you control the game. If I have the puck and you don't, that's more time than I'm spending in your zone trying to create offense. So a good defenseman is someone who is able to control the puck and be able to dictate play. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up in the how many body checks is the guy laying out and how many times he's sprawling out, taking, you know, blocking shots. And it's like, yeah, it's part of defense, but it's also kind of one of these things where it's right. like the the tail end of like, you know, finishing a check is one thing, but laying out to block a shot is, in my opinion, you know, not really good mm -hmm. defense. Yeah, and, and my issue with uh, with hockey still is that when you look at stats, and I'm not talking about advanced stats, I'm not talking about Corsi and, and, and relative or blah, no, I'm talking about just the basic stats, you know, points, goals, assists, plus minus, penalty minutes. The other one you have is hits. I have, I have a, a slight issue with, with the hits uh, uh, category because I feel that it should, it should count as the plus minus system in a way that if you if you throw a hit that results in a turnover where you gain possession, that should be a, a positive. If you throw a hit and possession doesn't change, it should to me. Sorry, that shouldn't count as a hit. Yeah, no, I I actually I mean that's that's not a terrible take. Or or how about sometimes that you when you throw a hit that you know you're, you're, you're it's more of a, or, or, or or it's more retaliation it's more retaliation kind of hit and you take yeah. yourself out of a play and then a goal gets scored against you like yeah. that's just stupid like you're just you you're you're you know what i mean so i think sometimes things have to all fall into context right Th things are situational and there's and there's situational context you know assorted to things you know i'm not saying that you know hits are bad i mean i fucking love hits but the thing is is that you have to make sure that you're doing it at the right time with the right situation or else it's pointless. Like throwing the body around just to throw it around is, you know, not efficient use of your body, you know, being able to contain guys and, and then use your body to box out and then hit them when they, when, when you need to, to take them, to take them out of the play. That's what's important. 
not just hitting people for the sake of hitting people. So um, that, that, that's where I think the game has changed now. It's just more situational context. It's like, you know, you don't want to waste your energy when you're playing against high-level guys. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And that, that, that's what I'm talking about with hits. If you, if you throw a hit and it doesn't result in, in your team gaining possession of the puck, then what's the point? Because worst case scenario, it puts you out of position and it creates a breakaway. Yeah, yeah. So especially especially if that guy absorbs the hit and made a play. Yeah. So I I wish they would they would sort of retool or or like you know upgrade the the hits category where they put a little bit more emphasis on on functional hits so to speak. That's that's the sorry that's that's the best way I can describe it. You know what this is a this this might be a nice project for you know um, it, any any of any of the guys out there who are like you know advanced stat kind of like um, gurus mm. or anyone who dives deep into it, advanced analytics like if there's a way we can advance analytic you know hits to get an idea of like a good hit a bad hit who's hitting with purpose like mm. in the game like I'd love to figure that because that would be so like such a great tool to have to look at you know a, a nice set of data but um, yeah to, just to go back to pivot back to the question um, do you need I, I I think the thing is that the days, the days of having big guys for the sake of having big guys, I think is gone. If you cannot, I don't care who you are in the NHL, whether you're playing bottom six minutes or you're playing, you know, um, you know, last pair defensive minutes. If your game is not all around good, you're not going to last very long. You know, you have to be able to skate. You've got to be able to control the puck. You've got to be able to, to do things on the ice to create, to create stuff. I think the days of having guys on your third, um, your third pair or on your bottom six who literally do nothing but just a, a, a warm body and maybe they'll throw a punch every now and then, I think that those guys are kind of like weeding out. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's it, the last couple of years especially, but maybe even, even earlier, maybe since the mid-90s, uh, you you can see that the game is evolving and it's turning into more of a hybrid type of hockey. If you have like the traditional North American style, which is all about territory and and physical play, and on the other end of the spectrum you have European hockey, which is all about possession and free flowing hockey and skating and and it's all about technique. I think the NHL is somewhere in the middle, where it's sort of a hybrid of both styles at at this moment. I would actually agree with that. I think probably what happened is some of it is a rule change. Some of it is the amount of player of European influence in the game that has made the North American style had to step back and say, okay, we have to play these guys. We can't just throw, throw bodies meaninglessly and they're just going to put, put pucks in the back of the net. Mm. So it's kind of becoming like a little bit of a meeting of the minds in the middle, um, which is good for the game because now you're starting to see better skill sets um, and you're starting to see actually better hockey. Um, I know this might even be a very controversial take, but I think hockey right now, I'm talking about the young kids in hockey, they're as good as I've ever seen. I mean, you legitimately have 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds that are dominating the league right now. When's the last time that's really happened in hockey? It, it doesn't. So it's, it's an amazing thing to watch. I mean, the, the game right now is as fast, as skilled, and as you know, talented as I've ever seen it. And I, I mean that, and when I mean, I mean across the board, not to say there wasn't talented guys in the past, but they were just very deep. You know, you had, you know, your, your top 15 players, 20 players that dominated the league for every decade. But now you've got like guys in the middle that are, that are really good. You got like 
middle six players that on any other team could be a top six player. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's more about skill and, and I think, I think for the, for the neutral fan, that's just more entertaining to watch. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure not everyone will agree with me on this, but I, I like the way hockey is now compared to 15 years ago. It's just, it's much more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I, I have I, I I go back and forth on certain things, but I think for the most part, hockey now is more on the edge of your seat excitement because the game is so fast and so skilled. Mm. Um, I think if you're a traditionalist, there's you know you still want some traditional aspects of it, and that that I don't think I don't think some of that's not going to go away. But I think what has happened is that the influx of talent that has come in that has just made the guys at the bottom who weren't as talented and relied on some other attributes they're just kind of getting weeded away because there's too much there's too much of a talent pool now you know what i mean like yeah. there's just too many too much talent for for anything else and, and but this is like it for any any uh business or whatever like when you just have lots of talented people come into your office it's just the guys at the bottom who kind of just maybe maybe they got the job because they knew somebody or they're not that talented but they kind of worked pretty hard they just kind of get weeded out because they're just not as talented and that's just, you know, talent always rises to the top. It really does, especially yeah. if you work hard. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just what it is. It's the way the league is. Uh, okay. So what's our next question? Next question from Connor Durden. Um, who are your three guys in the shootout for the Rangers? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I'm it's gonna something you don't I'm, often think about, you know? Yeah, I'm going to stay away from the rookies, um, personally. Uh, oh, oh, no, no, no. The one rookie for me is on it. Who, Kravtsov? Yeah, Kravtsov. I mean, he he he's a he's a he's a shootout he's a shootout machine. Okay, um, that's fine. I mean, you know, I I'd like to. I mean, I think honestly, when it comes to the kids, a lot of it is going to be over time. Like, you know, if they play well, they're going to get like a shot in a shootout, and if they do well, they're going to no, no, okay, keep okay. getting so called on. Are we talking about who we think is going to be on the shootout, or who we want on the shootout? Mm, let's do both. I mean, okay. I think who I think will be on the shootout. Like, let's say shootout meaning the first week of the season, because obviously it always changes over the course of the season because some players will just rise to the top and play well and they'll get more shootout opportunities. But let's say first week of the season, because that's like if we get into a shootout game in the first couple of days, like wh- who are our guys we're going to be looking at? I would probably say it's going to be Zamanajad's going to be there. There's no doubt about that one. And so is Panarin. I think those two are pegged in. Um, I think the third one becomes one of the kids, maybe, or whoever's the hot hand. They think right there. I think I, they're going to keep a third a third spot open for who, who has the hot hand. Could it be D'Angelo? That's possible. He's actually really good in shootouts. Yeah, and and here's the thing, and 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 this is something that that again makes sense when you look at the evolution of hockey. Um, young guys, the, the kids now, like the, the guys who are 23 and, 23 and younger, overall, they are much better at shootouts because they've been, they've been practicing shootouts ever since they were kids. It was introduced as a really big thing in hockey in, in 2005. So they, they don't know any better. Yeah, that's true. It's become it's more routine for them than the older player who had to adjust. Yes, it's different from a guy who like Patrice Bergeron, just just to name a random player in the NHL, who was who was drafted before the shootout was even implemented in the NHL. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, for me, for me, the the three the three guys out because you went with the three guys you expect to see. I'll go with my three guys I want to see on the shootout. Okay. 
Kravtsov, number one. Yep. Panarin, number two. And I'll probably go with Zibanejad because I think goalies will struggle more with right-handed shooters in a shootout. I think that gives both Panarin and Zibanejad a little bit of an advantage. Because I say, because they struggle against righties? Well, because right-handed shooters are... are uh, left-handed shooters are more common than right-handed shooters. So that's why I th- maybe right-handed shooters have a little bit of an advantage. Okay. But Kravtsov in breakaways and shootouts, I've, I've, I've seen him for like two years now. And he, for some reason, it doesn't matter what the goalie's doing. He always manages to find a, to find a five-hole. No, that's, that's impressive. I hope he can uh, do it in the NHL as well. Yeah. Um, so last question is what? Uh, I have two more questions. Oh, okay. Um, what are, so uh, Larry D'Antonio is asking, what are your first and second power play units? Since we already discussed the defense, let's let's talk about the offense. Okay. So who do you who would you put on on the first and second unit on as forwards for the power for the power play? Right. Power so play. my pa- power play one is probably going to be uh, Zibanejad, Panarin. I think it's. I th- it says. I, sorry, I, he added. Assuming Kreider and Nemesnikov are no, are gone. Oh, okay. See, I, I was just gonna say, like, do I, am, I, am I keeping Kreider on the top? Yeah. Um, okay, so then then maybe Booch is on, is, is on that power play. I, I could see that. And, um, and we have screening the goalie out of those three. What's up? We have screening the goalie out well, of those. That's what I was gonna put Kako on there to screen the goalie. Okay. That might not be bad. Because I want, I want a guy like a Kako there to kind of be in front of the net. And then Artemi Panarin, Zbanejad, and Buchnevich circling around trying to find trying to find shooting lanes. Yeah, yeah, that works. So you would go with, uh, with four forwards and one defenseman. Right. And then I do Shattenkirk or D'Angelo, depending on how I felt about that. Okay. Um, power play two would be the, the subsequent loser of the um, D'Angelo and uh, Shattenkirk situation so that we power play to be the other power play quarterback there um and then that that's where it gets a little tricky so i'm assuming we're gonna have uh i would like to have crafts off on that on that second power play unit um i would like heedle on there as well guy in front of the net would be maybe anderson on that line Look, I was I was going to say that because he he to me he seems perfect for that role. Yeah, blocking the goalie, he's yeah he, he he's just the type of player you you could use in that role. Yeah, it's a lot of kids though. That's the thing. You got Heedle, Kravtsov, and it is, and but it's, it's a lot it's of kids. Not, it's a, a rebuild. No, I know. I'm just saying, like in theory, this isn't a bad idea, but it is a lot of kids. But give, it, give him a chance. I'm okay with. I'm okay with it. Um, Let him develop. Yeah, and then the uh, the, uh, the 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 fourth slot. I mean, it 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 can change. Yeah. You could put a lot of people there. I, I have no problem with it. Yeah, if 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 a guy like Lemieux had scored like five goals in the past seven games, then yeah, give him a spot on the second power play. Yeah, I have no problem. I, I have no problem interchanging that. I just I would like to keep the second power play unit having my port that my other power play quarterback. Um, defenseman there. I'd like to have um, a body in front of the net, like a you know some some type of maybe Leas Anderson kind of guy. I want Heedle to center that um, you know to to on the faceoffs, and then I want to have like uh, probably Kravstov trying to get 
get some sniping lanes. Mm. Uh, other than that, it's just like, you know, the, like what I do with the, the other forward or defenseman I throw on there, I, I, okay. I, can, I, can, I can be a little more flexible there. See, to me, I, I, I'm not really, I don't really want to talk about like the names I would put on the power play. The only thing I want this upcoming season is for David Quinn to, um, to hold players accountable. If they, are, if they are just not good on the power play, take them off. Because we always talk about, does this player deserve to be on the power play? Like when, when, when someone says, for instance, we should, why don't we put Lemieux on the power play? We go, well, does he really deserve it? And like, well, he deserved it more than Jimmy Vesey near the end of the season. And Jimmy Vesey yeah. was still on the power play. So in a way, I, I hope that David Quinn will, will uh, pull the trigger uh, more easily, taking people off the power play if it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah I have no problem with that. Because you uh, so, only know if they work on the power play if you if you try them. Yeah, no, I, I'm fine with trial and error. It's the only way you really have an idea of what you're looking yeah. at. Yeah. Final so last question. Final question from Joseph. Uh, no last name. Um, uh, what is aside from Capo Caco your favorite draft pick of the Rangers this year? Whew. Um. Um, I'm going to probably go chalk and say that kid Robertson because he looks like a nice two-way player. The, the defenseman we got in the second round? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's not the player I would pick, but okay. Um, it's, a safe, it's, a, it's my safe pick. I mean, like, the guy, I, I, and I'm honest because the guys in the later rounds, like, uh, you know, I, I know a little bit of them, but not a lot, so... Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure my pick is not going to surprise anyone if they've listened to the show before. Um, but it's obviously Levi Altonen. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I expected him to go in the third round, maybe even the, the, the late second round, and we got him in the fifth. I mean, when, when that happened, I was, I was still upset that we missed Dor- Dorofiev. But when we got Altonen, I was happy. Um, I think that's going to be a really good pick. And someone on Twitter today asked me, what player would you compare him with? Um, I've seen people compare him to Carl Haglin with better hands, uh, which is not a bad, a bad way to describe him. But I would probably, style-wise, I'd probably compare him to Tony Amonti if I have to explain to Ranger fans what to expect. Sheesh. And not in, terms, not in terms of upside or skill, just just the type of player he is. Okay, gotcha. Is there, yeah, yeah, no, that 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 makes that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a difference. Uh, yes. When I when I compare players, I compare them style wise, not necessarily upside. Like yeah. Nils, Nils Lundqvist, I've compared to Tomas Kaberle. Uh, Vitali Kravtsov, I've compared to Philip Forsberg. Um, doesn't mean that they will be exactly that player. It just means that I see stuff in their in their game that reminds me of those players. Right. Yeah, I think I think the other guy if I had if I had a um, another guy that I'd probably be a little bit high on is I, I forget his name, but he was the guy who um, the, the 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 Swedish center. What was his name? Carl Henriksen. Yeah. I mean, like looking at some of his 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 numbers after the draft and some of the advanced analytics on him got me to be like, 
a little a little a little more excited than I thought I would be because it seems like he was a good player no matter who he was playing with, and yeah. that's always exciting. I, I love guys where their where their numbers look good no matter who you put we put with them. And there were some uh, some doubts about him being the product of Mason Raymond, who is uh, one of the top picks for the 2020 draft. Right. But if you if you look at uh, Evan Oppenheimer, who uh, did the I think they call he calls it in between as we've mentioned this before on the show as well. He he has the in between stat where he analyzes the points a player has, and and which other players he has those points with, and. I was surprised at the low amount of points that that uh, Lucas Raymond was involved in. I thought it was going to be much higher than than what it actually was. So that's a good sign. Yeah, and and that also just gives you an idea of like you know that this that this kid that the Rangers drafted might be better than that. Rangers might have really found a little gem here that 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 kind of just snuck under the radar. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and he's playing in Sweden, so that that's for me. That's always a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you can take a Swede, I'll take a Swede. They always play well. His uh, his team plays in Austria in September for the Champions Hockey League. Oh, nice. Maybe you can go watch some games. Of course. It's two hours. It's in Graz. Two hours from here. Nice. I'm going. That's it. That is that is going to be the easy trip. I'm yeah. going in October. I'm flying to Belfast to see Nils Lundqvist. That's that's going to be a bit trickier, but yeah. Right. We'll see uh, we should, yeah, we should also tell people that we're uh, we're actually going to go to the the, uh, the Preds game in November too. Oh yeah, yeah, because we we uh, we discussed this uh, earlier this week. Of course, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, from New York, Catherine, and she wanted to go to Nashville to see the Rangers game in Nashville against the Predators. And she's like, "Oh, are you are you interested in 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 joining me?" And, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fly to Nashville. I mean, I'm flying to New York from Vienna in September." And end of October is my birthday, so I'll just treat myself to a to a, a little trip to Nashville. And then I was talking to you because you live in Atlanta, which is like a two three hour drive to Nashville. It's like it's like three to four. Yeah, not that far. So uh, we'll be meeting in Nashville, and uh, we will try to uh, do a recording on location that week. Yeah, yeah, that'll be kind of fun, man. I'm, I, I'm I found out something else that's really cool about that weekend. We get an extra hour. Oh, nice. Turn our clocks back one hour. Oh, daylight savings. I actually get it twice because the week before, we do it in Europe the week before, the last weekend of October. So I get to do it here in Vienna in October. And then the week after in Nashville, I get to do it again. So I have have two 25-hour Sundays. Nice. That's That's good for you. That's a win. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm I'm excited because, you know, um, what I like to do too, whenever I'm, um, whenever I'm going to games and stuff, for me personally, I'm a big fan of going to different different venues. So you know, like I I, I haven't been to a bunch yet. I've been to um, like some of the more exotic locations. I've been to, not exotic, but like outside the New York area. Like I've been to San Jose to go watch a Ranger game. I've been to Tampa Bay to go watch a Ranger game. Um, obviously Nashville is going to be the next one I cross off my list. So I like going to away arenas. Uh, yeah. There's something about it. That's, that's, that's a lot of fun. So, yeah. and, um, and for me as well, it's going to be a new arena. Um, I've been to obviously Madison square garden. Um, I've been to Buffalo that was world juniors, but still I've been to Vancouver world juniors and the draft. I've been in Dallas for the draft last year. 
and then I've seen Ranger. I've seen the I've seen games in New Jersey, Tampa, Phoenix, Vegas, and in September I'm going to Philly. So Nashville will I will be my tenth or eleventh NHL arena. Oh wow, that's really good. You're, and my first, way, you're way ahead of my pace. My first ever trip to North America was four years ago. Before that, I never had the 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 the, the the, the finances to to make a trip like that. So the last four years have been pretty crazy. I don't know how I don't know how you felt when you went to the Tampa Bay game. I, I think they did a tremendous job. I really like I, I, I like that venue a lot. It was an Tampa, amazing Tampa Bay Arena. It was an amazing experience. The fans are fun. Um, I was I was at the at the point in, in the stands where they roll out the flag. So I was holding that that massive flag that covers like the whole stand. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be part of that was pretty cool. Um, but overall, Tampa Bay fans are, are among the, the nicest fans in the league, from my experience. I haven't been. Yeah, I, I like the little lightning on the ice. That's kind of cool. The lightning on the ice, the whole show. But if if I if I have to if I have to pick a a venue for the fan experience, uh, it's Vegas by a mile. Now that's one that's on my list to do. I, I want to do that one. I, I heard. It's, I, I I haven't heard one bad thing about it. You have to. It's it's such a great experience. It's been a year and a half since I was there, and I still remember the stuff they showed on the jumbotron. They had this this intro where uh, they have this golden knight on the ice defending like Vegas, and there's this guy with a Rangers flag skating onto the ice, and they battle and this and that. And on the jumbotron, they had the the Star Wars uh, text scroll. Uh, I don't remember the exact story, but the title was "The Empire State Strikes Back." <laughs> that's really funny. That that, but that's what I want. I want that's to, funny. I want to be entertained. Yeah, that's funny. That's good. I like that one. And in Vegas, yeah, we lost, but I was thoroughly entertained. It was Are you want yeah, you want to talk about entertainment, man? Like, do you remember the, when when Vegas made the playoffs their first year? Every single time that they had a home game, there they have the best pregame ceremonies yep ever like you want to talk about like and they go they do vegas like vegas they go you know they go gaudy they go over the top they go big and they go bold and it's amazing it 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 encompasses what vegas is and they do it very well and i love it you know the ice crew they have at nhl games during commercial breaks where they they clean they clear the crease Mm -hmm. it's a guy dressed in an elvis suit in vegas (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) Oh, uh, then see now I gotta go. Yeah, uh, I gotta go. To. I need to go. I need to go. I need to go. You've just sold me, and I love. I love Vegas. I love going there. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Yeah, this this is more of a reason. I have to I have to look at some schedules and figure it out. I, that, now I gotta go. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. I try to always go. See, I don't just try to go to the games when like, I I I only go to like venues. Like if I'll go to a venue if, um, you know, I'm in town, whatever, and the home team is playing there, but I try to get it against, you know, the Rangers so I can watch a game, you know, my team. But yeah. if I can't, then I can't, but I try to get it like, like that. So I'll try to go to a Vegas Ranger game. I'll look at the schedule. Um, if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, but I definitely want to go to Vegas games for sure. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's uh, from a fan experience point of view, Vegas by a mile in North America, in Europe. Uh, I think, the best fan experience you can have in Europe is uh, uh, anywhere in the Czech Republic. 
Um, there's, there's people lighting fireworks. They have massive flags. They sing, they dance, they have drums, and it never stops. They, 60 minutes. Wow, I, that's I'm, not, I'm not even exaggerating. They have like on either side of the rink, they have like the hardcore fans. They just, they just, they, they don't stop. They don't shut up. It's like a constant stream of singing and dancing and shouting and chanting. And it's, it's so alive. What's your least favorite NHL venue? My least favorite? Because you've been to at least a dozen, so, or 10. Yeah. So um, you have at least a good, good, you've been to at least half of them also. I think Buffalo, and it's not because it's a bad arena, it's just that it doesn't have anything memorable. Okay. Um, very, very blah. Yeah, like Madison Square Garden has, has, has the ceiling, you know? That's, that's iconic. Um, Prudential Center, the New Jersey Devil Stadium, has the biggest jumbotron in the league. And you notice when you go there that it's the biggest jumbotron in the league. Amelie Arena in Tampa has just the, the, the experience of, you know, you sit outside in your shorts in December having a beer before you go in for the game. Yeah. And, uh, Vegas with the whole fan experience. Gila River Arena in, uh, in Arizona. Um, it, it, it's, the venue is very, is, it's just a lot of fun because it's inside a mall and you have, it's very, very open. Um, Rogers Arena in Vancouver is all right, I guess. Um, it's, it's not anything special, but it's, it's new. It's relatively new compared to the one in Buffalo. Oh, God. Um, and then what else? Oh, I've been to the Winter Classic at City Field, but I don't remember much of that because I ended up in the hospital with hyperthermia that day. <laughs> it was worth- funny. I, I had tickets to that. And I actually had to sell them because that was when I moved down here. Uh, still worth it, though. Yeah, I, I, I wish I would have went. But yeah, yeah. I think the worst venue I've been to, though, is the Barclay Center. That's the worst one I've been to. Um, oh, I, made- actually, I actually have you been there. Uh, no, I haven't been to Barclays. I, I do know that the Jumbotron is offside. Um, it's just not made for hockey, dude. It's, really, you, it's, it's look, not. If you look up a picture of the Barclays Center, just focus on the Jumbotron. And it's, it's over the blue line. It's, it's yeah. not centered. Um, the and you ar- don't have good visibility, too. Like, some seats, you just, like, things are blocking. and That's just not made for hockey. The arena in Dallas is pretty nice um, because of the architecture. The building itself looks really cool. Um, It's the American Airlines Center. I got a T-shirt when I was there from a friend of mine who lives in Dallas. I was visiting her when uh, the draft was there uh, last year. She bought me a T-shirt which has a picture of the stadium, the American Airlines Center. And underneath it says, my AA Center sells booze. That's funny. Yes. <laughs> that's that's kind of a little, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to Nashville. Uh, from what I've heard, it's a great city to visit. Uh, Weather is going to be pretty nice. It's going to be uh, November 2nd, the weekend. Um, and it's an afternoon game. So yeah. we, can, we can go out for drinks afterwards. It's perfect. Yeah, no, I love I love afternoon games. Those are some of my favorites. So I'm I'm stoked for this. I love afternoon. I love afternoon games. It means I can watch them at a decent hour here in Europe. Yeah, exactly. All <laughs> right, so let's let's um, uh, what one quick thing before we do go though, um, before we get 
too too caught up. We'll we'll sit here and talk about arenas and all that stuff forever. We'll got we'll keep you guys more updated on the um the trip to uh, to Nashville. But before I go, I do want to um ask you one question. So Pavel Buchnevich, do you think that he do you think there's any chance the Rangers sign him to a long term deal? No. Zero. I, I don't think Buchnevich wants to sign a long term deal. Okay. And that was with arbitration looming, the clock is ticking. At some point, Gordon's going to pull the trigger and say, listen, you want the bridge deal. Here you go. Okay. Then we might be looking at two years of Booch and then he's out the door. So, No, not necessarily. No, no. But I mean, that seems probable, but that seems like a very realistic chance. Remember, in two years, we have more than 20 million coming off the books with the three defensemen in Lundqvist. Yeah, but uh, well, I mean, and that's the thing too is how much more expensive is he going to be in, in those years? But then he's he's betting on himself, so uh, kudos to that. We we could see in two years if he's worth it, they'll sign him to an extension. If he isn't, they'll trade him. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally. I don't think Butchnevich as much as much as I like him, I don't think Butchnevich is going to be a, a make or break decision for this team with the talent they've acquired recently. I, I I actually do agree with that. So I mean, like. It, I'm big booch. I'm a big booch guy. Um, do I want him on this team? Yes, I want him on this team long term. Absolutely. Um, but you know, if it gets to a point where you know he's clogging up too much of the money and I and, and roster spots for Kraftstoff, you know, Caco uh, Hedl or something like that, like no, I mean, you might have to move on from. Him. Do I think there's room for him plus these kids? Of course. Um, I just want to see what that money looks like in two years. Um, when he when he is when he is an unrestricted free agent, so we'll see yeah. that when that happens. And and it's not out of the question that in long term he's he's going to be the third line uh, right winger uh, behind Kako and Kravtsov. That's possible down the road. I mean, like you know, I, I've always said you know, Buchnevich is a really is is a is a good. Let's put it this way: Buchnevich on a good team is in your top six. If you have a really stacked team and he, and he is your on your third line, you are a, you are a powerhouse team. If you could put if you put Booch on your third line, that means your first and second line are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's like and that's not a knock to Booch. It's more like if we get to the point where we've got so much talent that we have to put Booch Nevich on the third line. My goodness, isn't this? That's a really good fucking team. That's a team that can make some noise and do some damage. Yeah. So that's how, I mean, that's just a little, uh, I'm, I'm a big Bucinevich guy. Anyways. Okay. I have one more question for you then before we, uh, before we go. Shoot. Who will play more games in the NHL this season, Georgiev or Shashjorkin? Ooh, I think we've asked this question before. Um, I don't know if we've asked on the podcast. We might have just chatted about it. Um, I'm going to say Georgiev. Okay. Because I, he's- I, I, He's already on the team. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more likely actually that Shesterkin plays in Hartford. To be honest, yeah, I could see him playing Hartford the whole year. I could see that. I could totally see that. That's probably where he will start, and then in twenty twenty they'll reevaluate and see where we go with the three goalies that we have. Yeah, I mean it's it's wholly possible that like he gets a couple games called up and whatever and. You know, I mean, the Rangers have a really good situation here because uh, the the thing is, is the Rangers at some point are going to have to make a decision between Georgiev and Shesterkin. At some point, they're going to have to commit to one being the, the unless unless they start going. I mean, some some 
teams in the NHL are going that dual route where they split time between two goalies. See, and, and what I would do is, and, and this is just me, this is my CBA mind going crazy. I would play Georgiev uh, 16 games and then call up Shestjorkin. Because if he plays 16 games, he is still uh, waiver exempt. If he plays 17 <laughs> NHL games, he's waiver eligible. Uh, that, that's, that's, that, that's some strategy. That's actually kind of brilliant. Hey, hey, uh, you've called me brilliant before. But <laughs> now you, you could have him play uh, 16 games. You can have Lundqvist play 20. You're at the 35-game mark. You swap Georgiev and Shestjorkin. No waivers. And then you have Shestjorkin play 15 games. You have Lundqvist play another 20. By that time, you're at the 70-game mark. Then you swap it around again, and you have Georgiev closing out the season. It's not bad. It's you can have bad. eight Russian goalies uh, playing considerable games, uh, considerable amount of games in the NHL, um, without hurting your um, without hurting your chances because Georgiev will still be waiver exempt by the time you send him down. Yeah, instead of having to protect him. Well, no, no, it's waivers. So if if you play seventeen games and you send him down, he has to pass through waivers, which he probably won't. Oh right. This this is this is this has nothing to do with the expansion draft or anything. This is just oh, I thought. I mean, I I thought you were trying to to to, to limit his time for the expansion draft. Oh no no no. Well, we don't have to. We we, we will we will protect Georgiev because yes, Jorkin is exempt and Lundqvist is a free agent. Yeah, I mean, Lundqvist we don't have to worry about. That's it that's the easiest decision we have. Yeah, that's true. Which goalie to protect? No, I'm talking about uh, waivers. Oh. Ah, dude. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think. I wasn't even thinking about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all messed up. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's just let's just let's just let's just wrap this up. Um, so you know, let everybody know like your uh, your name, my name. We'll just we'll wrap this up today. Yeah. Um, well, as some of you, as most of our listeners will probably know, uh, on Twitter, I'm Stedboy underscore Stephen. Follow me. I'm doing some puck giveaways throughout the season. I already did one with Lundqvist and Karko. Um, the three Karko pucks arrived at their destinations this week, so I'm really happy that that is that that they arrived safe and in the boxes and everything. Um, and yeah, just follow me for anything you want to know about the European prospects. Yeah, and uh, you know you can follow me on at, at um, so it's at Brooklyn Sports Guy, but it's spelled B K L Y N Sports Guy. Um, you can follow me. I usually tweet a lot about the Rangers. Uh, the Yankees and lots of other dumb stuff. Um, sometimes some MMA jiu-jitsu stuff, but you know, it's, it's primarily it's, 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 it's Rangers Yankee stuff. And some pictures of uh, your dog sleeping on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Them, they, yeah. They're, they're a bunch of clowns doing a bunch of dumb things. <laughs> I told, I, I totally feel like an idiot now for that CBA thing. So I'm like, Oh, what's he talking? Oh yeah. I, I'm so out of it, dude. I haven't gotten, I've gotten honestly like 10 hours of sleep. In like the last like three days, so I'm kind of out of it. But whatever, it's all good. The thing with the CBA is it takes you seven years to to get through all of it and to remember everything. And by the time you know everything, there's another lockdown. There's, there's gonna be there's gonna be a new agreement anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking yep. crazy. Oh. All right, well, um, let's 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 take off today, and uh, we'll see everyone later. All right, bye.